Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tradies News in a nutshell. I'm your host, Charles Goodsir, just replacing Daniel Pettigrew, who's been with you all week. And we're going around the country this morning. We're listening live out of the broadcast, broadcasting rather out of the Sydney studios, but going across the nation. If you'd like to join into the program at any time, uh, the number to call is one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and to text who is oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. And if you're listening around the country, the national line to text through is oh four double three nine eight one. One one six. I mentioned at the top of the show, my name is Charles Good. So just in the hosting chair for the day, while Daniel Pettigrew is off, and to all you Melbourne listeners, Matty Cox will be returned to the program on Tuesday. We've got a massive show to get into. We're going to chat about uh, the all the cricket action uh, yesterday, or unfortunately, lack thereof at the SCG. We'll definitely delve into the, the bad light situation and this bizarre story that the umpires use their gut feel rather than a light meter uh, to take the players off yesterday. Um, we'll play some audio from the SN Cricket commentary team. We had some interesting thoughts about that as well. And also, uh, we'll recap the shortest test match in history, in the 147-year history of test cricket. That was played at Newlands in Cape Town against South Africa and India. Bizarre, bizarre scenes there. We'll also wrap up the BBL action last night and also salute Aaron Finch, who announced his retirement from the BBL. He's played all 13 seasons, could you believe? And all for the same club as well, the Melbourne Renegades. We'll recap that. They were in action last night, going down to the Hobart Hurricanes. And then a little later on, our American correspondent, Chris Perkins, he'll join us to preview a massive final week, regular week in the NFL, week 18. And we'll also talk about the College Football Championships. We had uh, the bowl games earlier this week, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. And we'll recap who he thinks uh, will win later on in the College Football Championship. And then finally, we'll just recap some of the other sporting action. There was NBL on last night as well as the A-League. Recap those games and, uh, like I said, uh, read through any of your, your texts and your calls this morning. Just a reminder of those numbers uh, to call through one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six if you want to text through or if listening in Melbourne or anywhere else around the country oh four double three nine eight one 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 six and that's thanks to Forty Winks. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. Forty Winks serious about sleep. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into the cricket action yesterday. The third test between Australia versus Pakistan at the SCG. The state of play as it is at the moment. Australia bowled Pakistan out for 313 on the first day. They resumed at none for six. At stumps yesterday, a very early stumps was taken. Australia uh, at two for 116 minus Labuschagne, Steve Smith. The two uh, batters 
Uh, at, at the crease at the moment, Marnus Labuschagne on 23, not out. Steve Smith on six. Earlier in the day, David Warner was the first man to fall. Caught Babarazam at first slip, bowled by Salman Aliaga. He was out for 34 in what could very well be his final test innings. And then Usman Khawaji just gloved one down the leg side. A short ball from Amir Jamal, who's clearly becoming one of my favorite players. Uh, he was caught behind by Mohamed Rizwan, bold Amir Jamal. Three shy of his half century, 47. It was slow going for the Australians yesterday. They went a little over two runs and over. Uh, David Warner, uncharacteristically, uh, a strike rate of 50, 34 of 68 balls. Then Usman Khawaja, who, who's beat, who likes to dig in a little bit. He was even slow. He was 47 of 143 deliveries. Marnus is 23, not out of 66, whereas Steve Smith, he's only really faced the seven balls. So... Can't really judge him too hard. But that's not the story from yesterday. The story from yesterday is the light issue. And uh, so uh, there were about 30,000 fans yesterday at the SCG. Uh, living here in Sydney, as I have done my whole life, around this time of year, look, it's it's pretty overcast. gets very muggy. It's very warm, humid. And it was a pretty good day for cricket yesterday. It was pretty dark right throughout the morning. But at about 2.30, some cloud cover started to get a little bit thicker and you could kind of get the sense that they were going to uh, make their way off the field. And, of course, the umpires, they gathered together. They were speaking to Shah Massoud, the Pakistan captain, and asked him if he was going to continue bowling fast bowlers so he could only bowl some his spinners. And he decided, no, nope, that's enough. We'll, we'll go off. And that was at around 2.35 local time here in Sydney yesterday. And uh, as a result, they did not get back on the field. Now, this one's coming from Ben Horn and Lachlan McCurdy out of the News Corp papers, reading here from the Daily Telegraph that 30,000 disgruntled Test cricket fans were sent home early on a, quote, gut field by umpires after a broken light meter triggered outrage at the SCG. So the umpires, normally when they take light, they have a light meter and it sort of gives them a reading uh, as to whether or not it is safe uh, to continue play. Uh, they didn't have it this time, so the two umpires uh, had, to, um, had to ask themselves in the middle whether they thought it was safe or not. They both came to the conclusion that it wasn't, and they went off. Now, there was a lot of furor about it. Uh, this is what um, Ian Smith and uh, Jared Waitley said on the SEN cricket commentary team yesterday about it. The umpires have come to speak to Shan Masood between overs. Don't take them off. They're going to take them off for light. Yep. No, there's 20,000 plus people here. I'm booing as well. Listen to the crowd in the background. The floodlights are on. This is two years in a row. This happened on day one last year and it felt completely unacceptable. And it feels precisely the same way today. Two for 116, 47 overs. SEN Test Cricket for Hajaz Halal Financial Services. In all of what's going on around the discussion for Test Cricket is that it has to help itself. And such moments do nothing to help this form of the game. I love cricket, but I'm not coming back tomorrow if I'm in the crowd and they're going to do this. This is lunacy. Honestly, this is just bad. Get back out there and play the game. There's 20-something thousand people here who want to see cricket. They want to see Laba Shane. They want to see Smith. They want to see Pakistan continue to try and fight their way back. And they're all heading off. Don't get it. Sorry. It's And it's very difficult to accept uh, at a ground that is floodlit to the mm. degree that it is where 
night cricket was born here, wasn't it? And we play AFL under lights the whole time here. This is what was so difficult to grasp last year and was never adequately explained, and it's repeating now. Yeah, so pretty frustrating uh, comments there from Ian Smith and Jared Waitley on SEN Cricket. Uh, on Fox Cricket, Michael Vaughan and Mark were, were equally scathing. Now, there's been a whole debate this week about the future of Test Cricket, given the resting of Shaheen Shahafridi, Pakistan's premier fast bowler. Uh, that's because of the upcoming T20 series against New Zealand, uh, following the conclusion of this Test series. And then also the uh, squad that the uh, South African Cricket Board named uh, for their Test series against New Zealand, which features uh, seven uncapped players, including the the captain, Neil Brand. And you heard Jared Waitley there say cricket has to help itself. Well, this is just what I've noticed, that the trend in, in a little while. So delays in cricket. Uh, it, every chance we get and the umpires get to uh, have a delay, off, more often than not, they'll take it. So last night I was watching South Africa versus India. Eight balls into the second day's play. There's a 20-minute delay fixing the footmarks in the crease. Uh, every time uh, Pakistan get hit by one of the Australian fast bowlers, uh, the physio comes out, the doctor comes out, which isn't unusual in this day and age especially, but just adds this more delay. We're not getting that much cricket in. And then Steve Smith especially is probably the worst offender, but loads of batters demanding glove changes frequently. I think the record once was seven balls for Steve Smith. And then yesterday at the SCG, we don't go off because it rained. We go off because of bad light, despite the fact that it's floodlit, uh, by, and I've been going to the SCG all my life. They're great lights. Like it's almost daytime basically when they're on, but because of this law and cricket that, that, you know, artificial light can't overtake natural light, it just boggles the mind really. And it just gets me thinking, what does cricket need to do in order to change the way, the, in order to make sure we continue the day's play? And uh, Michael Vaughan said this on Fox Green. I wholeheartedly agree with him. I've been thinking about this for a while. We surely have to use a multicolored ball. Surely we get out a pink ball. And I know the argument against the pink ball will be that, look, it's different. It hoops around. This seems a bit hard to pick up. But we're in the entertainment business here. We need to be ensuring that we maximized as much test cricket as possible. And a pink ball seems the the, the most likely or, or the best outcome for me at least. We've we got to get on the park, and, and, and bad light is simply, in this day and age, 2024 is not an excuse to go off the field, considering all the advancements in the technology. Use an orange ball for all I care. Get one at Kingsgrove Sports or a Rebel Sport, wherever you are, uh, and I'm sure that'll, that'll do the trick as well. But we've got to ensure that we can t- we maximize the amount of days play as possible, especially with the Sydney Test match. And this hurts to say this as a staunch New South Welshman, but rain is is a problem and rain is being forecast for later today and later during the week. So who knows how much test cricket we'll, we'll get from here. What are your thoughts on that? Do we need to switch it out to a pink ball in these sort of bad light situations to maximize the amount of play? Uh, forget what the batters and the bowlers have to say about it. We're in the entertainment business. We need to ensure that we get as much bang for our buck as possible. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, let me know on the Temper text line. The all-new Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper, a mattress like no other. To give us a call, that is 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736 736. And to text through uh, if you're listening around the country, um, 0433 981 116. 
Uh, yeah. So now let's switch over to the South Africa versus India uh, test series. The second test wrapping up overnight in 642 balls. Yes, you heard that correctly. 642 balls. It only took 107 overs to complete this test match. That is the all-time record. For 147 years that test crew has been being played, there has been no test match shorter, which is a remarkable feat. Uh, in the end, India, they, they've tied the two-match series uh, one all. Uh, it doesn't mean they win uh, their first test series in South Africa. They still have to probably wait, but it's a pretty comprehensive victory in the end. South Africa all out for 55. That was before lunch on the first day, before this madness that occurred. Uh, India were 453, then lost six wickets for no runs to be bowled out for 153 on the same day. Then South Africa were three for 62 at the end of stumps on day one. They finish their second innings on 176, some 70-odd runs in front. Um, and uh, it was Aidan Markram who remarkably scored 106 of 103. And if anyone got over double figures in that test match, it was a miracle. The pitch was an absolute nightmare. I'll get more into that. But he top scored in that innings. And then India, with only about 70 odd to chase, they chased the Priyas in the end, ending up three for 80. Rohit Sharma and Treyas Iyer uh, seeing it out. But as I said, 107 overs. That's all it took for this match to be finished. I think it was um, they finished uh, just before lunch on day two yesterday. And that's the second instance where uh, South Africa in the last year and a bit have played in a test match that has been over inside two days. So obviously this one. And then last year at the Gabba with that green top. Now, I said I'd allude to uh, the pitch issues. Now, if you've seen uh, any anything at all on, on the pitch as well, th- there was a ball that uh, that was bowled from uh, Kisa Rabada that was on a really good length, and it shot up to about five metres, which is incredibly dangerous. So I think there needs to be an inspection into that Newlands pitch. Um, yeah, very interesting test match. Uh, broke all the record books, perhaps for the wrong reasons. Now, here we are on the, the temper text line here from Pat. Why don't you just move the Sydney test to the second of the series and give the New Year's test to Adelaide? Now, I've seen this pop up loads and loads of times, and I, I think it's a good point that you raised there, Pat. I'm not going to disagree with that. But think about the dates of the Boxing Day test and the Sydney test. Right before Christmas, or right after Christmas, rather, where a lot of people have time off, and New Year's in the case of Sydney, where, again, a lot of people have time off. These are the most two populous cities in the country. Uh, It's the test match that also generate the most income. So that's why they're there. And I think they have to be there. I don't think it's as simple as just moving uh, the Sydney test match to Adelaide. Even though I do agree, historically, around this time of year, it does rain a lot. There's poor visibility as well, given how muggy it is. But it's not a simple solution as just pick up and move it because of how much money it makes. And also with the pink New Year's test, whilst it isn't an ancient tradition as has been going on forever it is definitely a new tradition it has been going on i think ever since i was alive and for the record i'm 25 so pat i don't disagree with you entirely but i think it's not as simple as just moving it to adelaide there, there are a lot of money uh and scheduling factors at play because especially around this holiday period you want to maximize as many people going to the cricket as possible uh that's my thoughts pat um I like what you said. If you if you agree with Pat, if you disagree with Pat, get us on the 40 Winks text line. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. We're going to take a break here. Uh, and on the other side of Traders News in a nutshell, we're going to be wrapping up the Melbourne Renegades and Hobart Hurricanes game. 
and also looking at the BBL career of Aaron Finch. Stick around.
Yes, welcome back to Tradies News in a Nutshell. Plenty of reaction on the temper text line on the back of the discussion about what we can do to fix the uh, bad light issue in, in test cricket before the break. I, I suggested uh, maybe switching out to a pink ball and there's and it's blown up on the text line. Uh, this one coming from 536. Cricket cannot go from a red ball to a pink ball in the same test. That's just ridiculous. I would have thought the exact same thing maybe about five years ago, but I think... Uh, thank you for, send, for sending that text through, 536. I just think you need to be smart about this stuff. We cannot have a test match where they go off a bad light. It's it, it's just not a good look. It's Test cricket's not helping itself in this day where one-day cricket, T20 cricket, the 100, these sort of uh, T10 tournaments, franchise cricket around the world, they can play in the lights. They'll play in any conditions. They've been playing in America last year. Uh, we need to make sure we're maximizing test cricket as possible. Grab a ball. They went off at about the 47th over yesterday. Grab a pink ball that's about 47 overs old. They just have to adapt. I think that's another fun dynamic to test cricket as well in that situation. Uh, my whole point, uh, 536, is that we just we can't go off a bad light anymore. I don't think that's a good enough reason to uh, go off the field in cricket, but thank you very much for sending that text. Uh, a response from Pat. Uh, thank you for sending another response, Pat. We've had to lose our test, which was a first of the series in the Gabba test. Pat, I assume you're, you're uh, messaging from Queensland. I agree that was a real shame. I thought of like that the Gabba was the 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 first test match uh, of the uh, of the test summer, uh, and I think it should still be. Uh, again, my only issue with moving the, the Sydney test match, and by, by an extension, I know at the MCG, the Boxing Day test is a bit under threat as well. From I think Perth is very keen to get their hands on it as well. It, it's it's all about money. And, and money talks and, and the two test matches, they make the most amount of money. I know, I know that Adelaide Oval is very keen on stealing the New Year's Day test match. If they can prove to Cricket Australia that, hey, we've got the funds for it, we can uh, you know, get, get more bumps on seats throughout the day, then by all means. But at the current stage, I don't think moving the test matches is what's going to work. But thank you very much for sending that through, Pat. This one's coming from Bondi Jack. Both those umpires are gutless wonders. Uh, maybe that's a little bit too harsh, Bondi Jack, but we could all have lived with 58 overs, then rain at T. Ditto with the SCG umpires last year. Should Sydney should be designated a day-night pink ball. And then Bondi Jack also goes on to say, McGrath Foundation, the pink test, a pink ball, it sort of makes sense. I, I don't mind that idea at all, Bondi Jack. It's just that, um, especially during uh, the summer in Sydney, is that uh, and around the eastern suburbs area, around Moore Park District, where the SCG is, uh, summer storms are quite frequent. So I don't think changing it to a day-night test match uh, would would solve that sort of bad light problem. But I do think that if it just means we can get out the pink ball, and even if it's bad light, we can still play with it, I I do like that a lot as well. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the Big Bash. There was a match last night, a BBL news update, thanks to Roofing and Sheet Metal Centre, rscentre.com.au. Well, the Melbourne Renegades, they just can't seem to get it right at the moment. Uh, 4 447 after their 20 overs, the Hobart Hurricanes chasing that down with eight balls remaining and six wickets to spare. Sam Hain was the player of the match for the Hurricanes, 51 off 36. Corey Anderson, uh, I guess almost I've got a name in, in cricket, the New Zealander, who at one point had the fastest 101-day cricket, if you could believe. Uh, he also chimed in with 41 not out off 35. It was a bit of a struggle for the Renegades early. Uh, Shaw Marsh getting a six-ball duck. It was a wicket maiden for Tim David, and it was pretty slow going for Quinnita Cock and Jake Fraser-McGurk. 
Quinnen Tocock, it was his last game for the Renegades. He's had a he hasn't had a great time, uh, to be fair. He got out for 20 off 22 deliveries, just could never really get going. Uh, the Rooster, Jake Fraser McGurk, uh, 26 off 24. Jordan Cox was the star. He sort of uh, rejigged the innings for the Renegades, 47 off 36 deliveries. Three sixes in that as well. John O'Wells, who I guess you'd call a BBL veteran at this point, uh, 38 uh, not out off 25. And like I said, the Hurricanes did it pretty comfortably in the end. Was, there were a few nervy moments. I think there were three for 48 at one stage when Ben McDermott uh, was uh, bowled by Fergus O'Neill. But in the end, uh, pretty simple for the uh, Hobart Hurricanes. But the big story to emerge right before the match was Aaron Finch uh, announcing his Big Bash retirement. And I uh, just got his numbers up on screen here. 104 matches, 3,311 runs. Now, that's second on the all-time list uh, just behind um, uh, just behind Chris Lynn. But that is the record for the uh, most runs for a single franchise in the Big Bash League. Of course, uh, Aaron Finch has played for the Melbourne Renegades since day dot. Uh, a strike rate of 131.28, an average of 34.85, which is sensational for T20 cricket. 118 sixes in there. Again, second on that all-time list behind Chris Lynn. Uh, high score of 111, nine not outs, 26 50s and 200s. And then also looking at some of his bowling figures as well. Five wickets as well uh, for Aaron Finch. Uh, best bowling of one for 14. And of course, guiding the Renegades uh, to that famous... Uh, big bash victory over their bitter rivals, the Melbourne Stars. He's He's been an excellent campaigner, Aaron Finch, and it'll be sad to see him go, but given the fact that he wasn't playing last night, he's been dropped a couple of times, and there's no guarantee for a farewell uh, test match. I think now is probably the time to to probably hang up hang up the, the shoes. And But what a, what a great career he has had. Uh, if you've got a favourite Aaron Finch moment, I, I'd love to hear it um, on the on the temper text line. I think my favorite was when he hit the roof at Marl Stadium. I think that that is such an iconic big bash moment when it, when he smacked into the roof and people were really unsure of, of what the play was. I know that Mike Hussey did it against the World Eleven playing for Australia back when it was the, the Telstra Dome. Um, he hit it and it was a dead ball. This one, again, it, there was this confusion. He just whacked it so high. It was probably going to be a six anyway, but again, it was a dead ball. They then changed the rule that it was uh, a six automatically if he hit the, hit the roof. But, and I think I heard the other night on, on commentary that they've now changed the umpires have now changed the rule where if it hits the roof but they determine it would have gone for six then they they declare it a six so interesting rule there but yeah if you've got a favorite Aaron Finch moment in the big bash send through on the 40 winks text line uh, get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you 40 winks serious about sleep uh, that number for Sydney is 0457 736 736 or if you're listening in Melbourne 0433 one one six. We've got this text here from the Big Al. It says Charles, the Perth Scorchers are remarkable in the way they have carefully brought young players into the team. Players like Cooper Connolly, the Wild Thing Morris, uh, Sam Whiteman, and Hobson have moved seamlessly into the team. And Matthew Kelly, who's been injured, would provide depth. What's more is that Cam Green should be in the team. And in addition, Aaron Hardy has, without fuss, moved into the number three spot and taken the captaincy on board. Adam Voges, who was the ringmaster is doing a superb job managing the Scorchers. And to think players such as Josh Philippi, Marcus Stoinis, Tim David, Hilton Cartwright, Joel Paris, Cam Bancroft, Mitch Marsh, and Sean Marsh are West Australians playing for other franchises. Cheers, Big Al. Now, 
That's an interesting point. That the Perth Scorchers still yet to lose a game in the Big Bash, and uh, alongside the Brisbane Heat, and I think it's just going to be another Perth Scorchers victory. I just don't see how any team can can beat can beat them at the moment. Uh, the the Adelaide Strikers had a go. That they made a fist of it. They have another go tonight as well. Uh, but this one is at the Adelaide Oval. So if there is any time to beat the Perth Scorchers, Big Al. I think tonight would be it. But but I completely agree with you on the point. I think they have mastered I think they've mastered uh their roster, their management. And yeah, like you mentioned, they don't even have Cam Green in the side at the moment. And you've got I think the Melbourne Stars have often been dubbed as the uh the rejects, if you will, um, of the of the Perth Scorchers. So interesting to see. But that not that match tonight, uh match twenty seven of the BBL uh, we'll be at the Adelaide Oval, the Adelaide Strikers taking on the Perth Scorchers, and you'll hear that exclusively here on SEN. You can hear every ball of the Big Bash summer. You can hear every ball of the Test Cricket summer here on SEN later today uh, at 9 a.m. Sydney time. Uh, we'll be going across the SCG. We're not sure if we'll get play straight away. Uh, Bonai Jack, you've come back. Turn it up, mate. Dribbling about seasonal eastern suburbs weather. 45 minutes of bad light would have been saved if it was a pink ball. Wake up. Well, Bonai Jack, I'm awake. I'm awake with you uh, early uh, this morning. I just mean more about the seasonal eastern suburbs weather, not about bad light, but I mean more about the actual storms that you get in Sydney during the summer. Uh, but thank you for sending that text through, Bondi Jack. The rain was gone by 5.30 p.m. last night. Yes, I, I do see a point, Bondi Jack, but I just think, I don't know, not not really sure. It's not a perfect issue at the moment, the Sydney Test match. They've got weather, they've got bad light. The pitch also has received a fair bit of criticism, but yeah, we'll wait and see. That BBL news update, the thanks to Roofing and Sheet Metal Centre, rscentre.com.au. We're going to take a break here, and on the other side, we're going to chat with our American correspondent Chris Perkins as we preview a massive final week of the regular season in the NFL. Please stick around.
Yes, welcome back to Traders News in a Nutshell. I'm your host for this Friday, the 5th of January, 2024. Charles, good sir. And the text line, the temper text line has just been heating up this morning. You guys have a lot to say about uh, the pink ball that I suggested for, for bad light, for the SCG test and, and why it's more difficult to move it as well. But I'll read a couple out now. Uh, we, we've got this one from Adrian. Good morning. Just turn the bloody lights on. It's pretty simple. Well, the lights were on yesterday, Adrian. That They're out to full. But as, as I said at the start of the show, um, that uh, the, the ICC law is that natural light cannot overtake uh, in these instances. They... Uh, artificial light, rather, cannot uh, overtake the natural light. So, hence why that is uh, not allowed. And then 536, just build a roof. Well, the SCG is heritage listed, unfortunately, so it'd be pretty difficult to build a roof onto there. And a couple of texts coming through about your favourite um, moments for uh, Aaron Finch, uh, as well as the Melbourne Renegade struggles. And this one coming from Bo, when Finchie obliterated the plastic chair after going out in the final win against the Stars. Never seen the great man so angry, but I figured he thought he'd missed out. I, I think I remember that one, but I think he had been run out of the non-strikers and it was one of those instances, it's probably the unluckiest way to get out, where you're, the batter on strike hits it straight down, the bowler gets a finger to it, and you're run out because it just hits the stumps and, and you're out by a margin. So that's uh, some pretty good texts coming through there this morning. Keep it up on the 40 Winks uh, text line. But right now, we have this man all the way from America. It is Chris Perkins. Now on Tradies News, it's time to get the latest from the USA. Hello, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us on this Friday morning. Hey, good morning, Charlie. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. All the better that you're here with me now. It feels only uh, yesterday that we were discussing, I think, like week two or week three in the NFL and some, some early predictions about which teams were good. And here we are in week 18. Uh, it's gone pr- uh, pretty quickly, hasn't it, Chris? It's amazing how fast the football season goes. Yeah, I we're week 18, final week of the regular season. Next week, the playoffs start. We have seriously important football starting next week, but we get a taste of it starting starting on Saturday, on Saturday night, with uh, uh, the first of a few winning your end games. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's um, so the Colts and the Texans on that one. I was actually going to ask you about the sort of the winning in games, but let's start with there: the Colts and the Texans. Who wins and who who makes it in? Yeah, simple scenario here. You've got Indianapolis and Houston both at 9-7. and seven. They're playing each other uh, week 18 um, in Indianapolis. So, mind you, Indy's going to have the home field advantage. Whoever wins gets a wild card spot. And an added bonus for the winner of that game, if Jacksonville slips on a banana peel against Tennessee on Sunday, they win the AFC South division and, and will host a playoff game. For both of these teams now, Indianapolis, you know they they've got a you know actually both teams kind of similar situation. Brand new head coach came into the year with a lot of questions. The quarterback, Houston looks like they've answered them. Indianapolis looks like they've got even more questions or at least some competition because Anthony Richardson was supposed to be the the guy who comes in is the savior, the face of the franchise for the next fifteen years. He gets hurt. Gardner Minshew, though, man. It's been Minshew Mania and Indy the last, uh, actually, really all season. 
They're both at nine and seven fighting for a playoff spot. Down in Houston, they got C.J. Stroud, who I'm telling you, within the next five years, will win a Super Bowl for the Houston Texans. He is that good. Houston wasn't supposed to be in this position year one of C.J. Stroud, where they're fighting for a playoff spot and potentially a division title. This has been this has developed fast. They don't have their peak team yet, and that's a scary thought down the road for everybody else in the NFL. Yeah, he's been fantastic, hasn't he, C.J. Stroud? Uh, and then moving on, uh, the Bucks. I think they've been sort of the surprise of the NFC South. We were pretty unsure with how they would go with Baker Mayfield. They had a pretty poor season last season, going 8-9 and nine in the regular season with Tom Brady and then getting bounced by the Dallas Cowboys in, uh, in that wild card matchup. They played the Panthers. Uh, surely not. Surely the Bucks can uh, win and, and get in. If the Bucks do, do lose this game, and, and they've got the tiebreaker on New Orleans, who are also 8-8, eight and eight, if the Buccaneers do not win this game, they need to blow the whole thing up. Just blow the whole team up, rebuild from the foundation, from, from literally from the concrete foundation, because there is absolutely no reason the Tampa Bay Bucks should lose a game that they care about to the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers stink. The organization stinks. Their owner just got fined $300,000 for throwing a drink on a Jacksonville Jaguar fan last week down in Duval. This is a, a they, they have gone, they go through coaches, you know, they, they change coaches like regular people change their underwear in Carolina with this, with this new owner, Dave Tepper. Um, like I said, if Tampa Bay loses, they, they should just blow the whole thing up from, front office to the coach to as many players as possible because something would be seriously wrong there in Carolina and for Carolina here's the interesting thing they've got they've locked up the worst record in the league they don't even get that number one draft pick that the worst team in the league usually gets because they ship that thing to Chicago at the draft so they could draft Bryce Young at quarterback so it, it doesn't look any better for Carolina. So Jackson, if uh, Tampa loses this one, yeah, start blame the, the start starts firing squad up. Yeah, yeah, uh, surely not. I'm I'm tipping the Bucks for for what it's worth in that one. There's too much quality uh, on the field. But I'm glad. By the way, yes, Chris. Now here's the shocker: Tampa's only a four and a half point favorite in this game in Carolina. Mm. Something's weird here. They're, I know I know Tampa's been, had a tough season. They're 8-8. Eight eight, but come on, you're playing the Panthers, and you're only a four-and-a-half-point favorite? What does Vegas know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, that's definitely a watch to keep out on. Uh, that's Monday, 5 a.m. Uh, here in Australia, uh, Sydney time. And I'm glad you brought up the Bears uh, because uh, they play uh, the bitter rivals, the Green Bay Packers, uh, this week. And uh, the Packers... Another win-and-in situation. But I was very interested to hear Justin Fields' comments earlier in the week at a press conference where he said, look, going to Lambeau Field, he knows it's going to be loud. Uh, there's going to be loads of fans there because that's, that's the only thing to do in, in Green Bay and Wisconsin anyway is just to go to a Packers game. What, what do you make of this considering, uh, you know, that the Bears have pretty much been owned by the Packers for the last, uh, you know, 20 years or so? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you remember Aaron Rodgers. After he scored a touchdown, uh, I think it was last year in Chicago, yelling at the fans, going, "I still owe you." <laughs> well, I mean, Jordan Love kind of 
kind of took title of it, title to the Bears because he beat the Bears earlier this year. Uh, for Justin Fields, though, those comments, that's a guy who's got a finger on the pulse of rivalry, okay? You're wanting to, you're wanting to take shots at the, at the biggest rival, and that's the Packers and the Bears. This is a rivalry that dates back to the beginnings of the National Football League 100 years ago, all right? These two teams have faced off, uh, I think, 270-some-odd times. In their, over 200 times, I know, uh, in, their, in their shared history. So there's a lot of mutual dislike. Uh, and, but I mean, his comment's not exactly fair. I mean, they have other things to do in Green Bay. You can go ice fishing, especially this time of year. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be piling on here. Uh, but, yeah, for Green Bay, uh, back to the game, Second straight year, Green Bay comes into Week 18 at Lambeau with a win-and-you're-in scenario. You know, win your game, you're in the playoffs. Remember what happened last year? They played Detroit. Detroit beat them. Chicago would love nothing more than to cap off this season. Uh, kind of a season of turmoil, but at the same time a season of hope in Chicago because Justin Fields has shown he's a pretty good quarterback, and there's going to be a lot of questions that they have to figure out in the offseason regarding Justin Fields. Do we keep? Do we trade? Do we uh, use our extra draft pick to maybe get more draft capital to, to build something here in Chicago? Uh, whether Fields is the quarterback or it's Caleb Williams or Drake May, who, who are going to be the top two picks in the draft, who knows? But, yeah, for, for this Sunday, the chance to go to Green Bay and totally screw your biggest rival over, and keep them out of the playoffs, that would be very sweet for the Bears and, and their fans. Yeah, uh, definitely so. And I, I agree that even though they sit at a 7-9 and nine record, it could have been a lot worse, especially at the start of the season. So good to see the Bears sort of bounce back. And also Justin Fields bounce back. He's had a pretty tough time of it in the NFL. Now, quickly before we get to the college football scene, I just want to get your uh, prediction for the, the Super Bowl. So we're about a month away. Um, I have personally, I've got the Baltimore Ravens and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I have the Niners winning. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Did you see Baltimore and San Francisco play a few weeks ago? I, I did see that game, Chris. I, I did. I, I think they can turn it around, though. <laughs> well, you, you better hope for that prediction because Baltimore, man, they look good. How about last week against Miami, dropping, dropping half a hundred mm. on the Dolphins? My goodness. But one team they'll want to watch out for, Baltimore, Cleveland. Cleveland would love nothing more than to knock the Ravens out of the playoffs because, remember, the Baltimore Ravens were the original Cleveland Browns. So the city of Cleveland would love to knock the, knock the Ravens out. I'm with you on Baltimore getting in there in the AFC. They look like the best team in the league. I lean towards San Francisco – but, man, Dallas could, could do some damage if they can figure out how to win on the road or if Frisco gets upset or earlier in the playoffs because Dallas could be the two seed uh, if they win uh, Sunday in Washington, uh, win the NFC East because Philadelphia has lost four or five and just look like a complete turmoil there. Uh, another team to watch out for, Buffalo. Buffalo has a, has a massive game Sunday night, final game of the year in Miami. Winner of that game wins the AFC East in the TC. Buffalo has looked great the last month with, with Josh Allen and company uh, heating up at the right time after all the questions earlier in the season. 
So I'm with you on Baltimore, a little less with you on San Francisco, but I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Plus, they're both the top seeds in, in the AFC and the NFC. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that have been the, the two standouts, but I'm also really hoping for a Detroit Lions uh, miracle. Um, now let's go to the college football scene. So we have here, here. the. Let's stop, stop real quick. Hey, Charlie, real quick. Let me, let's stop there. There is that distinct possibility that hell freezes is over and we get a Detroit Lions Cleveland Browns Super Bowl. I, I would love nothing more. Lions haven't won a title since 57. Lions haven't won a title since 1957. Browns haven't won one since 1964. I think Earth would explode if that happened, though. Yes, I I, I do too, Chris. Uh, so let's uh, let's go to the college football scene. So we had the Rose Bowl, Michigan in a thriller against Alabama, uh, 27 to 20. That was in OT. And then the Sugar Bowl, Washington. They almost found a way to screw it up against Texas, but they emerged victorious, 37 to 31 which sets up a mouth-watering clash uh, Tuesday, 9th of January, 11.30, our time here in Australia. Mission, Michigan versus Washington. Who you got, Chris? Yeah, if you don't have lunch plans Tuesday there in Australia, make them. Find a place, take half a day off. You, I give you my permission. I will write you a note for your boss if you need me to. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the radio. Um, go watch this game because Michigan and Washington – you're, you're going to see a fantastic game. The semifinals Monday night were incredible. Literally came down to the final play. Michigan stopping uh, uh, Milrow on a fourth and goal in overtime to hang on to win that game after coming back in the final seconds. The final minute of that game aged people 20 years. Be, between the touchdown in the last two minutes, Michigan then muffing a punt, nearly giving up a safety in the last minute of the game, Guy was tackled at the one-yard line uh, on a punt, got into overtime, win it. You know, and then in Washington, hanging on to win. Final play of the game, Texas has a shot. You know, uh, Quinn Ewers throws, throws a great pass, and, you know, the Washington defender made the play, knocked it away, ball game over, and Washington wins. Michigan's a four-point favorite. Uh, I think Vegas is spot on here. This is going to be one of those – comes down to the final minutes, uh, Monday night, uh, Tuesday more, Tuesday year time um, for the national championship. And thankfully, the final final four team playoff, we may wind up actually getting three good playoff games because so many years, like last year in the national championship game, the debacle Georgia against TCU, we aren't getting that this time. Washington can score, Michigan can defend. Who's going to stand up and, and, and make the plays in crunch time Monday night? I cannot wait to see it. I, I can't wait either, Chris. Thank you very much for your time. We've got to take a break here on Tradies News in a Nutshell. That was Chris Perkins with everything happening in America. Stick around.
Welcome back to Tradies News in a nutshell. Going around the grounds here thanks to Robot Building Supplies. Robots got it. Uh, the Sydney Kings versus Melbourne United last night. It was the Melbourne United smashing the Kings 101 to 85. Tonight, the Laura Hawks take on the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. And then the A-League last night. A bit of a thriller between Wellington Phoenix and Adelaide United. That ends in a two-all draw. And lads night, MacArthur hosts the Newcastle Jets. Just wrapping up a couple of your text messages uh, to end the show on the on the temper text. This one from 010. It's a batsman, not a batter. Cut the woke crap. Well, 0101. Uh, it's not woke. It's simply what the ICC now refer to uh, a batter as. It's a batter. I'm not trying to be woke at all. I'm just trying to follow uh, the correct language from the ICC. Um, a couple more coming through. This one from Dean on the back of our chat with Chris Perkins. It was, I don't think San Francisco can win the Super Bowl unless they can beat the Baltimore Ravens. I took the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys. Dean's a pretty good shout. My only issue with the Dallas Cowboys is their road playoff form. Uh, they've notoriously not been very great in the past, so we just have to wait and see. And then this one also from Dean. Melbourne Renegades haven't been any good since Chris Gale was here. Maybe they need a complete overhaul next summer. Will Sutherland should be captain of the Renegades. Thank you very much for all your text messages. Thank you to Chris Perkins for joining the show. Uh, that's Sports Up. Thanks to Robot Building Supplies. Robots got it and deliver. Robotbuildingsupplies.com.au. Hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, stay tuned for Summer Brekkie with Kane Corns and Bryce McGain in Melbourne and James Magnuson and Michael Karianis here in Sydney. Thank you.